coming to you live from KZSU at Stanford University. This is What Would Your Mother Say? Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Susan Morris. Sitting on the panel with me tonight are three students, Jackie, Jessica, and Adam, and our mother, Barbara. It's good to have all of you on board. Our topic today is hooking up. Author Laura Sessions-Step takes a critical look at the phenomena of hooking up in her controversial book, Unhooked, Young Women Pursue Sex, Delay Love, and Lose It Both. She's on the phone with us now. Welcome. You've been writing articles about adolescent sexual behavior for a long time. How did you come up with this subject, and why a book now on hooking up? I guess I I perceive that there had been a cultural shift in the way that young people think about relationships, Um, and that was what most intrigued me, was how do they see relationships forming, how do they, are they lasting, are they uh, short and and not long-lasting, what do, how do young women and the the new freedoms that young women feel play into this? how do guys react to this? Um, all of those questions. Uh, newspaper articles are really only a snapshot of a culture at any one time. And, uh, and so I decided to take a year off from the Washington Post and follow individual young women as they walk through this culture. Now, you have talked about how you, in your son's school, the middle school, that there were a, a ring of kids having oral sex and how this really took you by surprise and you started to write about it. That must have been quite shocking. Well, it was shocking for a lot of parents, I think. Um, and you started seeing stories about oral sex in middle school after that all around the country. Um, as I made clear in my article at the time and have always said, that was a small a small group of kids doing it. Um, and we know that some of the stories that came after that and other media organizations sort of uh, made it seem larger and, and more draconian than, than it really was. But indeed, it was a phenomenon. And, and so that I got interested in following <clears throat> that age group sort of through the years as their Again, how again as their relationships developed, and and see how they thought about sex and love and so forth. Now, the word hookup covers all kinds of sexual behavior, from kissing to intercourse, and you say that the term is deliberately vague. Well, it you know, young people, and I was one of them, always try to keep things away from the older people. They don't. <laughs> we don't. Even when in in, the, in when I was their age, I didn't want my parents or other adults knowing what I was doing. We hadn't. We said, you know, we used the phrase "making out," which was about as uh, uh, about as broad as you could could get. Although it didn't mean intercourse. And then with hooking up, of course, it includes oral sex, anal sex, intercourse, um, all of those things. But uh, if you just say you're hooking up, you don't have to, that. No one really knows what you mean. Well, here's Jessica. Let me explain if, if, um, that at the table is a mother, Barbara, and we've just had Lauren joining us. And so there are two guys and two gals and one mother. And Jessica is one of our students. Jessica. I wanted to get back to what you were saying earlier about the effect of hooking up on love relationships in the future. Because I think from the perspective of this generation, this is just how things are. We can't go back to some other generation and change I, I don't think change our mores to something else. So given that these are our mores, and many of us have the same goal going forward of finding love relationships, either hooking up is sort of a stage that people go through before that. What did you find? Did you look at 
people 10 years out? Did you look at people like two years out and see how this affected their love relationships going forward? Uh, no, I would have to write the book in, in five more years. But I mean, um, like, have you, do you have any inkling now, having had Well, I do know. There, I mean, there's some, there's, there's research that shows that I've written about, actually, the Pew Research Center um, uh, surveyed 18 to 26-year-olds uh, and asked them, uh, did they want, were they, one, were they in a committed relationship, and two, did they want to be in a committed relationship? And two-thirds of them were not in a committed relationship, and more than half of that two-thirds said they did not want to be in a committed relationship. So uh, that, I mean, that, that tells me something right there. One of the um, things that you mention in your book is a possible one line of thinking as to why females have become so much more sexually aggressive or assertive is that when females outnumber males, let's say on a college campus, which as you know is becoming much more common, they have to compete with whatever resources they possess, including their bodies. And that, that makes sense in terms of why women would be hooking up and performing oral sex sort of more indiscriminately than you might wish? Well, um, that is, there are researchers who believe that. I'm not sure I do. I mean, the percentages are not that much greater. Uh, you're, you're talking about one or two percentage points on a campus. I'm not sure that that, that, that personally, I'm not sure that that makes a difference. I, I, threw, I put that in there because I wanted to give sort of a spectrum of opinion on why this is happening, and that's one argument that's made. Mm-hmm. Uh, here is Jackie. Hi there. I'm the other. I'm the other female student on the show, and I found it so interesting because you have a 22-year-old son, correct? I do. So, as a 21-year-old female, of course, you know the thing that's on my mind is how men are responding to your book, especially <laughs> men of my age, and how I can use their responses um, for my own personal devices. So, what can I hear a little bit about your son's reaction to your book and the general male response of my generation that we've gotten? Say, the males are buying my book to figure out how the females work. So, I <laughs> this is good. Um, well, as my son will tell you in a heartbeat that. Um, and he's now graduated, and he's out in L.A. actually working in TV. But he will tell you in a heartbeat that he's read every word, and he doesn't. But he doesn't agree with every word. Um, we have a great, a great relationship, and we we've, we've talked a lot about a lot of things since I wrote this book. Um, he, I mean, I think he sees. Quite frankly, he doesn't see the dangers in hooking up that I do. Um, and he is also one of those young men who would like to be in a committed relationship. Um, his experience has been that he finds it hard to find young women who want to do that and that they kind of get scared if he acts serious. So he has to sort of, he, he, you know, he can, he'll sometimes try to play it cool because he thinks he might scare them away. And I have, you know, I have heard other young men say that. On the other hand, I've also had men who, quite honestly said, because girls hook up, we can be bigger jerks. And they don't use the word jerk, but I don't think I can use the word <laughs> they say on the air. Um, and and this just allows, hooking up allows them to be, you know, to play the field more. Um, I But my bottom, my gut, line, my gut feeling about this is that, um, you know, guys want relationships just like girls do, uh, but it's harder for them to admit that. And and they are definitely uh, you know caught up in the same the 
same culture and not as ready to talk about doing something different. Um, it's, they've got a bigger wall to, to uh, up in front of them. And it's one reason why I didn't do the book about men and women. It would have taken twice as long. <laughs> so I thought I'd start with, the, with young women first. Laura, this is one of the bombs speaking, Barbara. And hi. Hi. For the benefit of our audience, can you tell us briefly what you see the real dangers in hooking up as being? If the defining characteristic of the hookup is a lack of commitment, and so if, if it becomes, I mean, there, let, let me start by saying I think there's some good things about hooking up. It, in a, it allows a young woman to um, experiment with her sexuality and not feel guilty. Back in the 70s, if we did too much of that, we felt guilty. That wasn't good. Um, it allows them, I think, to walk away from a guy who's not treating them well. They don't always do that, but it, it gives them some practice at doing that. Um, its emphasis, with its emphasis on the physical, they talk more freely uh, about sex, even with their guy partners, than my generation ever did. And I think those are all good things. I think that the... the uh, the problem I see is when it becomes a pattern of behavior. In other words, all all of us have done wild and crazy things once in a while, and one could even make the argument that every once in a while you need to do that. But but you, it shouldn't be a pattern. It shouldn't be the accepted norm. Um, if if it has become the norm, and I think it has on a number of campuses then I think we have to ask ourselves with what consequences. I think you see the consequences in the rates of depression among young women. I certainly think you see the consequences in alcohol consumption. Um, young women's drinking levels now are at the same level as men almost. Uh, men's levels have slightly declined over the last uh, 10 years. Women's have, have continued to go up. Um, I have to ask my, you know, I don't know of, I've never found a young woman, maybe one, who was sober when she hooked up. So that, to me, tells me that young women are not particularly comfortable doing it. Um, and those were some of the things I would, I would say. Well, it's interesting. A few weeks ago, I was asking the panel members um, how they talked about sex with their partner before they had sex. And everyone at the table said, we don't talk about it. We don't talk about it before. We don't talk about it during. I mean, it's just something that happens. And I'm going, hmm. right. Okay. <laughs> well, here's Adam. Laura, this is Adam. This is um, uh, one of the college guys at the table. And okay. my question, of course, to you was going to be, but you sort of um, answered it for me, was what sort of, with all this qualitative research you've been doing, what sort of positives did you find with the hooking up? But I, I suppose in light of um, some of the suggestions that you just made, um, how would how would you go about sort of striking a balance between, because you did mention some things that certainly were liberating about the, the experience and sort of, um, you know, part of sort of our maturation process and that sort of thing, but right. balancing that between sort of going back to the 1950, you know, approach, sorry, Susan, to, um, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> Susan is also never wild and crazy. <laughs> right, right. You know, uh, uh, striking I, that balance, <laughs> like, what? how would you sort of go about trying to... Um, you know, I mean, have people be wild and crazy, but at the same time sort of also... Committed. Know, committed, yeah. Well, at least be respectful of each other. You know, hooking up seems to me to be absent any caring, real caring, on the part of the partners. Um, and I know that that's, that's... Now, that's a statement that my son might disagree with if he were here. Um, but 
I think your son is on this panel, actually, right? (laughs) (laughs) Actually, Adam is your son. Okay. I'm happy to have another son. I like like having sons. I'm kidding. I'm in love with my own son. Um, But but I think, you know, I think the, the, what I would like to see is a sort of mutual respect and caring. And and what does that mean? That means that if you take, if you're going to hook up with a girl at her dorm, you maybe think about going over and picking her up and walking her back to the dorm. Or if she wants to pick you up and take her back to her dorm. I mean, if you want to, you know, go out to dinner, go out to eat, don't just, you know, hooking up shouldn't be just about sex. It should be about getting to know each other in, in ways other than, than the hookup. Um, you know, I, I have a line in my book which was deliberately provocative and has caused something of a firestorm about, you know, for young women, if if you want, if you love to bake, bake some brownies for the guy. Well, the, the real feminists say, oh, she just wants to send us all back to the kitchen. I happen to know some young women who like to bake, and I know some young men who like to bake. And so, you know, go skydiving with him or bake brownies with him, it doesn't matter, but do things with him that, that help you learn about the other person. Jessica, I'm going to be the voice of dissent here on the table and just say, first of all, I'm, I, I, this probably doesn't sound like much on the radio, but I'm not, like, I'm not much for the hookup culture myself. But I will say that I think it sounds like the sort of thing parents have said about kids back to Socrates' time where they said, you know, children are running, running wild and it's crazy and how can civilization continue? I think there's a really famous quote of, people saying that about Socrates teaching young children to go crazy so or young or teenagers to go crazy and I just it seems like jobs are not for a lifetime marriages are not for a lifetime people move people go on vacations around the world like people like our culture is a much more mobile culture and I don't see why it's so shocking that young people's sexual behavior is also more mobile and I don't see why it's such a huge deal I mean I'm sure it was a really big deal when people didn't you know work at a corporation and get a pension at the end and and all of a sudden oh my god they were freelancing it's so incredible so I'm I'm wondering why this is why this isn't just a change instead of a problem because I think that pair bonding is um that's who we, we are pair bonding creatures. I don't think you can equate matters of the heart with matters of the head. And I think that we have we have made that mistake and, when, and, and therein lies some problems. I mean, if we let's go back to the science. Science is now telling us that women's bodies, the chemicals in women's bodies react differently in a sexual encounter than men's. Um, you know, I know a lot of women who feel badly that he didn't call them the next day. They don't feel badly that he didn't call them on their cell phone the next day as much as they wonder why did they, if the hookup didn't mean anything, why are they feeling bad the next day? Well, part of it is that your body just went, got a huge jolt of this chemical called oxytocin, which is the, is the hormone that makes you want to cuddle and hold your babies close. It's the same chemical that is in mother's milk. And, you know, there. So what I'm saying, and guys in the sexual encounter, they have some of that oxytocin, but they get a bigger dose of testosterone, which makes them want to run chase bears or something. <laughs> so, so that biologically, women's bodies are different, and and we are different from men, and that 
you know, we should celebrate those differences and not try to deny them and not feel bad when we feel differently than men. And this may be getting off your point a bit, but I'm think what I, my my bigger point here is that that it's not you can't equate your love life with your career with your marriage. I completely understand what you're saying about jobs are not for a lifetime, marriages are not for a lifetime. I don't think my generation has done a pretty very good job of of giving you all a sense of what good relationships are. In fact, much of my book is aimed at parents. And much of my conversation since I've since the book has come out has been at parents saying, "Look, look at your own relationship. How what what are your kids seeing as they grow up? If what they're seeing is something they don't want, why should you be surprised if if they're hooking up?" And so, I mean, I think in a sense this is a dialogue, much like we're having right now on the phone, about what does it mean to be in relationship to someone else and how can we make that the optimum experience that it should be. One thing that we haven't talked about and that I see with this hooking up is young girls uh, performing oral sex on men they don't know very well and how this has become more of the norm. And, it, you know, when I talk to young men about it, they say, well, the young woman is being serviced as well, so what's the problem? And I, I personally see a problem with this. Um, did, did you see that this, I mean, that a lot was going on, correct, when you were talking to the young women? I mean, Particularly in college, yeah. It, it, uh, it actually starts at about 15, but it's still in small numbers until they get to college. And then it's just, you know. Yes. Yes. Susan, we're not following you at the table. Are you <laughs> suggesting, I know the middle school phenomenon is young girls uh, kind of uh, currying favor right. by performing oral sex, but by college, aren't we into a reciprocal game? Well, that's what people, that's what people say. Um, I'm not sure that, that I necessarily believe that. Or th- Actually, you're, you're right. The federal government did a huge survey called the National Survey for Family Growth. It came out last <laughs> October. And uh, young women receive oral sex as often as they give it, according to the survey. And it's the first survey that's been done of oral sex among young women 15 and above. And leave it to your taxpayer dollars to pay for it. You know, just as I see the heads shaking at this table, I think anecdotally that doesn't seem to be true. Well, Well, I know. That's that's the impression. But they, they, uh, you know, we're talking 20,000, 30,000 samples uh, in this survey, um, I think that you know what what is disturbing to me about about oral sex is that it's not seen as sex. Um, sex, in my view, is everything from kissing to intercourse. I mean, the sexual act, um, the intercourse, is what we all colloquially call sex. But other behaviors can be just as um, you know, are are equally either wonderful or not wonderful. They are, they are part of the sexual package. And I I don't personally see how you can take separate out oral sex and say, well, that's just oral sex, and and there are no you know no emotions are going to be involved in that. Maybe the students at the table can tell me, but I I've never understood that. Any comments? We're all <laughs> sitting here looking blank. I think, I think part this of it is, is all that news to us. The, the digression into oral sex is sort of like this prototypical type of hooking up is kind of puzzling, I think, to us. I don't know if anyone else feels the same way, but hook up, hooking up culture is, is more about being 
being casual. Right. It's more about being casual than about than it is about any particular activity. It's not about like it's an oh, attitude. Not it's like an attitude, action. not a practice. Exactly. Yeah. So that from the college perspective, at least this is correct me if I'm wrong, but my the college perspective is that hookup culture is about. Not you know you go to a party and you can make out with someone as to to use a sort of retro term yes you can make out with someone and it's not about exactly what you do it's about the fact that that doesn't mean that there's some sort of commitment between the two of you so I think the focus on oral sex just seems misplaced to us because that's not a focus we have yeah but it, it sort of speaks to what she's saying which is in general just that the whole level of like responsibility and accountability for like the actions is like really come down and I that that, that that's, I mean, that's exactly what we're saying which is just that it's it's this particular action of like oral sex while absolutely serious and I mean there are you know consequences involved just as is part of this larger like attitude that's sort of been born out of this generation which is just like uh, yeah whatever it's not a big deal you know, kind of one thing oh um, I just want to say really briefly that I think one thing that may not that I haven't heard come out yet is that it's not it's sort of a skewed population I would say even at here at Stanford even though someone might hook up every once in a while or some people don't hook up at all it's not like it's this thing that everybody does it's not it's I mean a survey may not bring out that nuance that it's not like it's an attitude that everyone has or a thing that everyone does and it definitely varies from campus to campus the three campuses I've been on have been very different well Laura I've heard that nobody at Stanford dates that it doesn't have a particularly strong social life but Jackie what oh I was just going to say that I found it so interesting that we were the oral sex discussion that I think it has less to do with our with our youth perspective on oral sex and more so with the era that we grew up in. I mean, I remember the Clinton scandal happening and very clearly learning that oral sex did not count as sex because President Clinton had oral sex, but not sex. Therefore, it was totally okay. And everyone in my sixth grade class, like, that was something that we talked about. And I remember my teacher being totally shocked that there are all these 12-year-olds in her class saying that oral sex didn't count as sex, you know, and she's just, like, blushing, and, you know, this is in Fresno, California. That's a very red region, so <laughs> sort of inappropriate in general. But I just wanted to put that in there, that I think it's perhaps less of a youth, well, youth-like lowering of what oral sex means and more so something that we've gleaned from, from when we came of age. That's certainly... I, I want to tell you all a quick story getting back to the comment about the cat being casual. Um, I was at, actually at this weekend I was out with some young women and this one young woman is telling her boyfriend was there but he was in another room and they've been they've been together for like six years on and off they've hooked up but they've been boyfriend girlfriend um, and she said that if her boyfriend hooked up the only thing that would matter to her is if he didn't use a condom Wow. And <laughs> after six years of being together, she said that? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, my jaw sort of dropped, you know. I mean, there's casual and then there's casual. Our, jaw, our jaws are kind of dropping. <laughs> the, only, the only cases of people my age for whom that has happened are where one partner, partner has a tremendous amount of power over the other one. The only two cases I know of that were where the guys were very, very rich. And this was like a power dynamic between the two of them. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't think that's normal. I think that's like, I mean, if the woman's a supermodel or the guy is extremely rich or very charismatic or has something that is creates this huge power imbalance, that's where I've seen that. I haven't seen anything like that with like couples where they're sort of peers. Regular couples. Well, I've never heard of, I mean, women traditionally would not be thrilled at having her boyfriend sleep with someone else. Well, we've run out of time. I want to thank you so much for coming on. What would your mother say? It was 
Great Thank talk. you all. It's a great conversation. <laughs> Good. This is Laura Sessions-Stepp, author of Unhooked, How Young Women Pursue Sex, Delay Love, and Lose It Both. You can find her book at your local bookstores and on Amazon.com. When we come back, the panel will talk about their own experiences with hooking up. Here with me in the studio is Barbara, another mother. Hi, Susan. Hi. And also sitting at the table are students Jessica, Jackie, Lauren, and Adam. Welcome. Hi, Hi Susan. Hi. It's good to have you all here. I want to go around the table. We're going to be talking about hookups and sexual interactions with people. First of all, I'm throwing this out probably a little bit prematurely, but what about the concept that when we talk about hookups and girls getting sort of um, in situations that aren't beneficial to them. What about the concept that guys are the enemy? Do you ever feel that young women feel that way, Adam? Absolutely. In what way? Absolutely. I mean, just, just in any sort of circumstance, like at a party or anything like that, you know, if, if you're the least bit, not the least bit, but I mean, if you're, if you're overtly, you know, uh, not flirtatious necessarily, but just very like amicable with someone or very friendly or very outgoing or very like talkative with them. Oftentimes, I mean, you get one of two very disparate reactions. You either get like, oh, this is so great. Yeah, yeah, we're in that class together. I totally, you know, that kind of thing. Or you just get like, okay, dude, I'm not going to do anything with you. you. You get that sort of like very standoffish. You're like, no, I'm just, you, you know. You mean I'm not going to have sex with you? Well, no, well they, I mean, I think that's implied. They're, they're treating you like, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, back off rapist, like take it easy. <laughs> exactly. And you're like, whoa, we're just friends. All right. Yeah, no, I mean, so so, so I, I don't know if that's born out of necessarily that particular like, you know, social movement or something like that, guys as enemy or something like that. But certainly it hasn't, it's not been favorable <laughs> to our image as a 49% of the world. Well, back in the 70s, when I was alive and none of you were, <laughs> uh, the women's movement really, there was a whole segment where they presented the male as being the enemy. Um, you know, they were the reason that we couldn't get decent jobs, the reason that we were at home making brownies and not leading the major corporations. Barbara, do you think, have you ever thought of the man as being the enemy? I think I've had a number of misguided notions about men, as witnessed by the fact that I have two divorces. I am, you know, much as I'd love to be an authority on this topic, I think I, I really have been completely confused about the gender roles. You know, in, in all honesty, and that I probably found it something of a weakness to be particularly feminine. And, uh, you know, in reality, you need to celebrate those differences and kind of work with them, not, not fight them. I mean, it, it seems like, you know, even in a tradi very traditional feminist role, um, or I mean uh, a feminine role, so someone like very old-fashioned, you have your housewife, I mean, they did hold quite a bit of power, however however much of that power was behind the scenes. You know, you had, you, had, you had the patriarch, but behind the patriarch was really the matriarch, you know what I mean? In what way? Well, it seems like, I mean, in, in a lot of uh, families, it seemed like, you know, you would have the, the, the man as kind of the public head of the house. I mean, in a very traditional sense, like in a 1950s sense. Um, and then, I mean, but you would have like... You know, I guess the views of the woman coming through, um, coming coming through the man in a lot like of Bush cases. Bush and Cheney, like Bush and Cheney, exactly. <laughs> One thing that my grandma used to say was the, and I think this was in the movie My Big Fat Greek Wedding as well, is that the man is the head of the house, but the woman is the neck, and she turns that head <laughs> any yeah. she wants to. <laughs> Very interesting, Jessica. Well, I, my grandmother has some similar sayings that I will not reveal on the air, but um, I, I don't think men are the enemy at all. I, I think I'm kind of unique in that view, though, because you do get a sense that there's a battle going on where, like, women are trying to keep sex from men and men are trying to get it from them, and it, I, I don't see that as being the issue. Like, I make decisions for myself the way I want my life to go, and so do men, so I don't see any difference between 
between us in that way. Did you have brothers? I have a younger brother, yeah. Okay. Barbara? I'm just having a terrible time reconciling this men trying to get sex from women when women are performing oral, you know, blow... Can I say that? <laughs> if they're doing all kinds of things <laughs> at a very young age, that's quite aggressive. How do you reconcile that with, you know, the guy's the, the bad one? Guys? Why is having sex a bad thing, exactly? If the guy's the bad one because he wants her to have sex. like. But if she wants to have it, why is there any sense that guys... Because some women do and some women don't. And I, I one thing I agree with that uh, she was saying earlier was about... One thing, that I, one thing that I agree with as we were talking about was that um, there's a... There's sort of an arms race among women to, you know, if, if like a small, I mean, you think about it in sort of economic terms, like if 10% of the women are having all the sex that, have all the sex that anyone would want, are offering all the sex that anyone would want, it sort of creates an arms race with other women that care to play that game with a, them. A race to the bottom, if you will. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the race to many bottoms, yes. Well, that's the whole, that's, I mean, the whole, like, notion of, like, this new, like, hookup culture of our generation, though, is definitely on some level giving what you were saying before, I mean, it, it gives you sort of the power to, like, do it or not to do it. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And, and well, I, that's an interesting point. I'd like to go around and talk about the pressure to engage in hooking up. Um, and I don't just mean kissing in the back of the room. I'm, I've heard that young women on college campuses today do feel a lot of pressure. And uh, if everybody's doing it, of course, my, my question to everybody is, I think of sex as being kind of a private matter. How does everybody know what you're doing? In other words, how can you be pressured? Yes, Jackie. Well, I mean, maybe this is just the house that I live in, but I live in a house that was built in 1917, so sex is not going to be a private matter because those walls are terribly thin. I've had to, I I have a leadership role in the house that I live in, and I've had to have the painfully excruciating conversation with residents going, oh, there was a complaint at 3.30 p.m. yesterday that you were making, um... Whoopee. Rhythmic noises. Yeah, <laughs> precisely. <laughs> um, and so in that respect, I think just the fact that Stanford is a residential campus, I think that sex ca- is very difficult to make private. Of course, that's just speaking about Stanford, not about our generation and our approach to sex on a whole. Yes, I, I, think, I think that... Um, it may not be that other people are pressuring you, but you might feel internal pressure. Um, a friend of mine was in a situation recently where she went on a date with a guy that she kind of knew that was hanging, hanging around the house, and she was kind of friends with some of his friends. And then um, he wanted to make out on the first date, and she didn't and said so. And then th- their relationship has been weird ever since. And it's not like anyone's pressuring her. It's not that he doesn't like her or she doesn't like him. It's just like there was this weird interaction. Disconnect. That, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> So I think if you read literature from back in the old days, way back in the 1920s and 30s and maybe even the 60s, that yeah. there, there's always been pressure on women to put out, as they say. Well, we have a call uh, from Priscilla. Hi. Yeah. Hi. Hi. I've been listening, and I, I just wanted to speak to what, what you said, Susan, I think, about um, girls today feeling feeling pressure to participate in the hookup culture. Um, I certainly have felt pressure during my time at college. Um, I feel like because I, I haven't participated in the hookup culture, I'm at a kind of a disadvantage in this competition for guys. Um, it's like a sort of a sort of currency that I don't I don't have. Um, I, I was just wondering what the other people on the panel thought of that. Because um, it seems like a lot of girls use sex as a way of competing with other girls in the same way that they use their physical attraction or, you know, their attractiveness or their intelligence. Um, just one of the one of the characteristics that they, one of the things that they have to offer. 
Um, uh, shouldn't we ask the guys, like, yeah. is that currency? Like, for us girls, like, we've said that, but is it currency? Like, is it you've got two girls, roughly equal, one, like... One puts out and the other doesn't. Well, yeah. I think if you put it like that, it's a pretty, it's a pretty it's easy question. Pretty obvious. But I mean, <laughs> I, 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 I think that I mean, though I mean, you might you might not have that currency. I don't think it's the only currency in the country, if you will. I mean, <laughs> there are lots tender. of other notes you can exchange that for. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it might not be easy, but I'm, I, I'm, I don't think it's a total deal breaker. Especially, you know, if you share a lot of other interests with, you know, a person you're interested sure. in. Sure. For example, you could buy the well, food I'm not with the Nobel Prize. Not a, a lot of, a lot of nice thing. <laughs> I would say a lot of times that the like, currency that we're talking about, like the physical currency, is a lot of times the not the only, but sort of the main representative of, of that you have from them as to whether they like you also. So, I mean, you can certainly, like, you know, go out and, like, I don't know, discuss whatever you discuss or, you know, climb a, go to the climbing Tree wall. Tree or something. Well, here's well, the a question is, how much do they have to like you early on? <laughs> um, I, think, I think that's the real question. Well, my question for you guys is how long would you go out with someone who didn't put out for you? Well, I think I think. Well, I mean, personally, <laughs> well, not I, you, it, not you guys specifically, oh. but friends of yours. How long do you think <laughs> they would put up with this? Well, put friends of mine. I think as long as there's a progression going in the right direction, oh, I mean, they would be, you know, swayed to stay in the game as long as that progression continued to move forward. Uh, oh, okay. So but once once the progression stops moving forward, then I, I'd say at that point. At that point, there might be a temptation for my friends to reconsider a relationship, perhaps. <laughs> You wouldn't think of being of uh, abstinence as being a, a viable. I mean, in, in certain situations, yes. But I mean, in certain situations, no. The girls who aren't hooking up are at a serious disadvantage, right? That in this uh, effort yeah. to, to just conceive yeah. that, my friend. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah no, I'm, okay. say, I'm not saying you're not. Or the <laughs> girls who. <laughs> I'm just gonna start ta stop talking. Your yeah. friends would say that. <laughs> <he's messing> <laughs> yeah. We're on the radio. Uh, it's hard to stop talking. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows who anybody is. But um, yeah, well, what do you mean with the speed up in how quickly people go from the first date to having um, real sex? That that period of progression that you just talked about, Lauren, is is kind of short. So you, what we might talk in the old days is three dates. Well, I think I mean it's it's kind of an issue of respect, and I think a lot a lot of the thing about being in a healthy relationship is you know respecting the pace at which another person would like to progress down a certain progression. See yeah. how he took that from hooking up to respect. Yeah, that's yeah. that's good. Oh, yeah. Lauren, we're in politics for this guy. <laughs> Lauren is a sweet Males talker. One, yeah. <laughs> oh, Jackie. Oh, what I was going to say when when Lauren was talking and Priscilla asked her question, um, we were talking about currency, and I was wondering, you know, what you're trying to buy because my my brother. He is with this girl now, and he really likes her. And I asked him over the phone, I was like, well, have you guys gone to bed yet? And he's like, <laughs> no, I really like her. I'm going to wait for a really long time. And this is funny because my brother is like, Mr. I mean, hey, Jeff, how did that coffee date go with your with that girl you were going out with? Oh, well, we didn't really get to coffee, if you know what I mean. <laughs> but this girl who he actually likes, he's waiting to have sex with because he really likes her. And so with that currency of, you know, girls hooking up with guys, what's the end result? Because my brother would not consider that a girl to date or a girl to have a relationship with. That's a girl to not even buy a cup of coffee. Oh, now we're getting into values and all of that. Who would have thought? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, th I think... <laughs> You know what, though? I'm, I'm embarrassed to admit that I think it's not different for uh, older couples as well. I find if I'm um, going out with some guy that there needs to be a steady progression. And sometimes I'll use a phrase like, oh, let's save something for next time. But if I don't really mean that, that there's something next time, that's the end of the, 
the relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you would just, or, or people that are in that situation would just go straight, would just have a hookup, basically, if you didn't really like the guy that no, much. I mean, I think uh, people my age have fewer hookups, mm-hmm. but the progression and kind of the expectation that sex is imminent remains, and it's consistent over time. Barbara, let me respond to that with a story. There's a, there's a girl that I've sort of had my proverbial eye on for quite some time now. And, uh, how long is that, Adam? Uh, sit some temper. Oh, September. that's a long-term that, that long relationship. Right. Yeah. It's not a proverbial indeed. Like that. <laughs> long-time crush. Right. Yeah. So, uh, But because there hasn't been exactly what you're talking about, which is any sort of a progression at all, and it's just been, I mean, it was, it's just been incredibly aggressive flirting every single time that I hang out with her. Can you, you define know? incredibly aggressive flirting just for you know the, the listeners? Uh, sure. Um, Adam, <laughs> do not get yourself in trouble with this definition. Okay. So, I mean, just, just you know. Oh, come um, on, Adam. Get just, into You trouble. know, so like, so when we're talking, there's always like, you know, if I'm like, like hanging out with like somebody else, we'll come up behind and like, like arm around like the shoulder. It's like, hey, hey, you know, like very like careless like remarks like, hey, come show me your room. I want to see like all your books in your room. You know, like, stuff like that where it's like very obvious. <laughs> very that, like, aggressive. It's aggressive. It's aggressive. I would say it's aggressive. That's yeah, aggressive. Agreed. agreed. Okay, I mean, especially the show me but, your room comment. That's, yeah, that's <laughs> what I thought. Exactly. Exactly. Let's all make fun of Adam. So, okay. No, so no. Because, the, because the progression has not been there at all, and it's just like stayed at that, and, you know, I, I don't even know how to, like... How to like interpret it, like the whole the whole thing. I mean, you could you could you could comfortably say that you know, like I'm holding out to like make a move or something like that or something. But the whole I you're mean, the holding whole, out, or she is. I, that that's what I'm saying. Why don't I mean, you whole, just ask her out? I have asked her, out. and she says no. She 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 goes out. She just wants to come look at his room <laughs> and not see anything else. My, <laughs> you know, my point is is that we're stu- is that is that because there's not a. Um, because there is no progression, as we've been saying, that there's no way to like sort of assess where we are. And what I said before about this, like so, this, not the capital bit, the the currency, the currency. There you go. Yes. Um, you know, without without some means of like exchange there, without some means of like being able to like assess where we are, without having. Can you, you know, just s- ask her though? Can you just say like, I like you. What do you feel about me? Like you've been out on dates with her. Like it's not Honesty. like we've had. Imagine well, that. Well, it isn't being honest. It's being direct. Right. Yeah. yeah. We had a dating coach on a few weeks ago, and he said, "Be direct. Just say I I like you." And I said, "Yeah. What if he says or she says I don't? Well, it's not." Um, you know, reciprocated. He said, "Better to find out, hmm. so you don't waste any time. I mean, any more time on this person." Well, I want to talk to you about talking to your parents about sex and about hookups. Barbara, you have a daughter. Well, you know, in all candor, I'd be ashamed to tell my daughter about my sex life. When I think back to what was going on when I was in college, while Laura Sessions' step may not call it a hookup, the reality is. How we ended a date was, was a, well, let's call it a liaison. <laughs> and maybe the difference between what's going on now and what's going on then is, um, you know, sometime later I felt badly about it. But at the time I felt sophisticated and with it. And, uh, you know, sometimes the word slut comes to mind if I'm, I'm being really candid with myself. Wow, thanks for sharing that. Um, that's a showstopper. I mean, uh, so you've never really talked to your daughter about about saying, you know, about what you did. I think I've tried to model better behavior, certainly, mm-hmm. but um, and so I haven't revealed it. It's like the reformed junkie that just says stay away from drugs, and maybe it hasn't been terribly effective. I don't know. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, Jessica. I really like the use of the word liaison. I think that's great. I think liaison culture is what we should all take on next. But I, I do want to say in response to that that um, I think that in talking about par talking about your sexual relationships with your parents, I don't think that that changes very much from generation to generation. I, I kind of I feel like this sort of the generation gap in this particular instance is sort of overblown. And I agree with you that the things that you did may not have been called hookups, but they were hookups, and there's no difference. Right, exactly. It's like free love back in the in the 70s. Well, I'm going to go around the table, and I'm going to ask um, a question about different hookups. And if you prefer not to talk about your own, but you want to talk <coughs> about your best friends or your cousins or whomever, feel free to. Okay, I'm going to throw out, where is the best place that you've hooked up? Or your best, best friend has hooked up. Best by what criteria? <laughs> I'm not. I'm going to leave that to you to decide. Adam, where is the best place? Jacuzzi. Absolutely. No, jacuzzis are terrible. Why do you say that? Oh. <laughs> the ambiance is just, it's automatic. But all the heat, it, I mean. <laughs> the heat, the water, blah. <laughs> Adam has one experience. Yeah, you yeah, have another. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, I think no women like the jacuzzi. Well, oh, one of really? the la one of the other questions uh, is uh, the worst place. So maybe I got the answer to that. <laughs> Jackie, uh, the ch uh, jacuzzi. It was highly unsuccessful. I'll just that's, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> thank you for sharing that. Now the other one is the next one is the strangest place where you've had a hookup. Yes, a uh, taker, Lauren. Uh, the well, a very good friend of my my best friend's cousin actually <laughs> uh, used the the counter at Ben and Jerry's uh, for a hookup after closing, ah. which was uh, oh apparently very interesting. <laughs> apparently, a backache. <laughs> that's what he. That's what a he trip to me. the chiropractor after that one. Oh my goodness. Okay, what is the um, the most bizarre hookup story that you can tell us? And that could be an unsuccessful one. Yes, Jack. I have a ridiculous one um, that my friend. Um, you know, let's just—it's fine. It's me. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I had—I had gone home to Fresno um, over break. I'd just gotten back from being—I was there for like three days, and I thought, okay, great. I have three days. I'm just gonna have fun. So I met this really nice guy. He was working at a sunglass store, <laughs> which is sort of embarrassing. And he said, oh, where do you go to school? I said, I go to, I'm going to Stanford. And he said, oh, I'm going to Davis. And I was like, oh, you're going to Davis. Great. So we chat. We go so out on a date. You we're in the vicinity, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. So we go on a date. It's great. We, um, to use the colloquial term, hook up. And we're talking afterwards. And he goes, man, college is going to be so great. <laughs> and I went, what? You're going to Davis? And he goes, yep, I'm going <laughs> so he was like 17. He was 17. <laughs> I'm 21. <laughs> it was so She's blushing. She's blushing just sitting here. Oh. Susan, I got a story for you. It, 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 it relates to how I got out of a, a rather precarious situation that we're sort of gesturing toward. Uh, uh, in college, sort of um, doing a little smooching in the back of a car. You know, I think we've all been there. There's no shame in it. And, <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, the problem with the whole car hookup, of course, is that if the cops see you, you can't be hooking up in the cars. We only hook up in the bedroom in this country. There's no hooking up all in right. the cars. Is, right, is that right? Of course. Oh, you know. okay. There's right. a little smooching going on in the car. Smooching going on in the car. And, and um, a, car, a, a, a car sort of comes behind us, and you can kind of see it, but it's a little bit foggy. You know, things get a bit foggy. <laughs> yeah. And so, stupidly, I, like, put my head up to, like, make sure it's not a cop. Of course, it's a cop. You know? <laughs> so, so I sort of, like, scramble, and I completely panic, you know. And I sit down and I'm I'm a total mess, you know. I'm like, where's the sock? You know, I'm looking for a sock at this point. You know? 
like, and and the girlfriend at the time was a total pro about it. Total pro. Got me together. Got all my stuff together. Got herself together, and just got the shirt on, and just had one button. And she was rather voluptuous, so that was uh, a helpful button. You know? Enough, enough, and the, and, the cop, and the cop comes and knocks, and I'm like, "We are screwed. Like, I don't even know what to do. I'm ready to just. I'm just like, take me away. You know." He comes and he's like, "So what's going on here?" He gives us one of those, and she turns around and complete. She is a total pro about it. She was like, um, "I'm breaking up with this guy. I'd really appreciate it if you could give us a little privacy right now." And she's total like angry, and I'm like. God, that's a crap. And he's like, oh, I, I, I'm, so, I'm so sorry, ma'am. He was like, yeah, it'd be really nice if you left. And he, he, he leaves. And I'm like, that's a crap. I was like, that's incredible. I like, yeah, I don't want to break up with you. Yeah, I was like, I don't really want to. I, I hope the catch wasn't then she broke up with you. No, no. No, good. Good. No, that is then. a great story. Oh, that is absolutely wonderful. Well, on that note, we are going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to look at some risky behavior and its appeal. We are here at the in the studios of KZSU at Stanford University, and here with me in the studio is Barbara, a mother. Oh, hi, Susan. Hi, and joining us at the table are students Lauren, Adam, Jessica, and Jackie. Hi, hi Susan. If you're listening to the show, you can email us at whatwouldyourmothersay at kzsu.stanford.edu. Uh, or you can call us at 650-723-9010. Anyone who contacts us today will qualify for a Starbucks coffee cup, coffee card. I wanted to say to the listeners out there and to the panel that this show originally started with uh, me, the host, and three mothers. And you can see what's happened. We now have one mother and four students. So it's all very interesting how this show has evolved. You're popular, Susan. I'm very popular. <laughs> I think I think the, um, that what we're doing, though, is, is very informative from my perspective. I'm learning a lot. My daughters are frequently uh, astonished at what I talk about, let me tell you. But I want to go around the table and talk about a risky thing that you've done or a friend and what have been, at what point did you realize, hmm, maybe I shouldn't be doing this? What were the consequences? Was there alcohol involved? Was there uh, a dare by somebody? And do you think that your parents ever did anything like this? Barbara. Oh. Well, I'm going to use you. Sorry for interrupting. All right. I'm oh. going to ask you to comment after everybody else. Okay. Has, yes. Uh, Jackie, do you have a story of something that you look back and say, ooh, that was risky? Oh, yeah. I don't. Uh, a friend. A friend. <laughs> a friend. I, I, can, I can jump in here with well, one if you're, well, or you have one. Well, it's so awful. I, a friend of mine um, was drinking on their golf course, on a golf course in their hometown, and, they, and the guy they were with decided to go... Um, swimming while they were drunk and their feet got stuck in the mud layer of the water hazard and had to like be like pulled out by the guy and like they almost it was like a dangerous situation and then I had to go home or the friend had to go home <laughs> and I, I, the girl was covered in uh, goose droppings mud grass and putrid smelling water hazard water and had to explain to both the parents what had happened yeah and it was epically terrible <laughs> Oh, have you did it, did it yeah. uh, impact how much your friend did uh, drank from that point on, or was it a short memory? Uh, well, you know, it was an experimental phase for the friend, so I think that she was just really discovering who she was and exploring herself, you know. And so I think it was an important phase. I, think I know that friend. 
<laughs> well, Lauren, have you? Can you describe some a risky behavior? Um, I don't know. I mean, just it just seems like looking back in high school, and you know, all kinds of things like especially just getting your car, and like all kinds of bad decisions. I had at you know stoplights, and uh, you know maybe I shouldn't have been racing my friend down the freeway when it was raining. Um, you know, like little things like that. Maybe I shouldn't have pulled out in front of that big rig that honked at me for you know the rest of the way home. Like, uh, I mean, there are, there are a lot of things that I think like you can do and you know everyone has a wild streak it's just how you kind of manifest that wild streak and hopefully safe ways did you drink were you drinking no no and driving no no okay oh, oh wow, that, that, would, that, would, that would just be stupid <laughs> oh, yes Jessica I have so many of these it's hard to pick one but uh, one um, I was traveling out to a music festival with a bunch of friends we had a car loaded up with stuff and it was this really old terrible car but that you know, it was falling apart and had really old tires and stuff. And we, there were like six of us crammed into this car and all of our luggage and stuff all over the place. And it just really wasn't road safe. And I knew when I got in the car, this was going to be a problem. Like this, we were driving to Nevada in the, in August and it was really hot and the tires were bad and we were overloading this car and I was just thinking, you know, this is so stupid. And I just like, it was just so stupid. And I was really afraid something would go a lot worse, but all that happened was we, we got, three flat tires like all at once they all blew out on the freeway in the middle of nowhere just past reno nevada so you know we called triple a and whatever but like we really didn't have anywhere to stay and we were maybe 10 15 miles from like the nearest anything and it was just it was just a stupid decision it was a long day it was a long day exactly i can imagine well barbara i want you to tell about something risky that you did and then your hindsight now is you can say Gee. Well, Susan, I don't think I'm going to be able to accommodate that because the risky behavior I was going to tell you about is in my adult life in the last 10 years, some guy getting in the car, a friend of the man I was then dating, a larger-than-life kind of character, and he um, he opened a beer in the car and just said, it's no big deal. And I allowed the pressure from the schmo and continued driving. I would have lost my license and all that stuff. It made me very humble about what young people go through with peer pressure when I thought I really had all my ducks lined up. And in fact, I was taking a huge risk for this idiot. Well, that's, um, yeah, you were. <laughs> so I, you know, I don't have any hindsight. I'm just, uh, even at this age, I have to be careful. Could you have stopped him from getting into the car? No, I should have said, it's not going to happen. Throw it away. Yeah. Yeah, but I think. wanting to be liked and going along, I let him do it. Mm-hmm. It was completely stupid. Well, we've run out of time. Thank you, Barbara, for that story and everyone else. Great stories this week. It was good to have all of you on the show. Thank you for coming on. Thank you, Susan. Thank you. Thank you. Barbara, Thanks. Lauren, Adam, Jessica, and Jackie, welcome again. All was good fun and, as always, an energetic discussion. For the record, the opinions expressed on What Would Your Mother Say are not necessarily those of KZSU or Stanford University. They're not intended to be a substitute for professional advice and or counseling. Today's show was put together with help from Sarah Boer and Mark Lawrence. Our engineer is Kyle Wolf. I'm the executive producer. If you'd like to be on the panel or make a comment about tonight's show, go to our website, whatwouldyourmothersay.net, or send us an email at whatwouldyourmothersay at kzsu.stanford.edu. That's it for tonight. Thanks for joining us on What Would Your Mother Say? And remember, call your mom. I'm Susan Morris. Till next week.